Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man that refuses to use the self-checkout line because they don't have a mirror for him. <laughs> it's Dale. <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, you got to be checking yourself out there. you got to check yourself out. If you're going to check out yourself, you got to be checking yourself out while you're checking out yourself. And you have to have a mirror to do it. That's right. Yeah. Maybe a full-length mirror. Ooh, that'd be good. You could really check yourself out. I mean, I'm looking really hot today. Yeah. <laughs> well, like in mirrors they used to have in the dressing rooms, you know, where you have them, like the little three mirror, you know, you can see from the side. And I need one of them. It's like a funhouse mirror. It makes you skinny in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make you extra tall and skinny in the middle. That's right. <laughs> That's what's, what I need. What's going on, dude? Oh, same old, same old. Just like I say every week. Same old, same old. Doing good, man. Doing good. Yeah, we're doing real good. Here to record another episode and give you guys something to listen to. That's right. Yeah. I want to thank you guys for making uh, October the highest download month we've ever had. Yep. That was uh, pretty damn impressive. We appreciate every one of you guys. Yeah, that month, we'll just go ahead and say we had over 7,300 downloads. Crazy. Just for that month. Just that month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That ain't counting a YouTube or nothing, right? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what, 100,400 and something on, yeah. on just the YouTube. But yeah, get this, deal. Across all the boards, we have over a quarter of a million downloads. Ain't too shabby. No. That's what, congratulations, Donnie. Shout out to you, buddy. No, shout out to you. <laughs> Man, that's, I'm going to be over here just beating the shit out of my back. We're going to be some, doing some uh, back patting. I couldn't do it without you, dude. We need that mirror now. Yeah, we need a full length. <laughs> full-length mirror check herself out that's right man congratulations that's yeah. awesome you got any shout out to anybody you want to mention before we get going dude? i do have one shout out i would like to do today a good friend of ours from across the pond miss uh sharon davis hatton she says uh love listening from across the pond in the uk on my alexa while i'm cooking and cleaning just me at home with it on very loud cliffhanger every time can't believe there's so many death crimes out there but they, and they all need to be solved and quick great job you guys and we love the accents wow how about that that's pretty cool across the pond yeah because we love their accents and i guess they love this hick stuff yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it goes hand in hand but uh yeah very good friend of the show she's been with us since we first started uh I love those guys. Went over to visit, and they took me in, let me stay at their house, and wow. it was really cool. And uh, her husband Tony just showed me around there, all the cool spots and stuff. And uh, big fans, and uh, I'm big fans of them. So well, we really appreciate you guys, and we appreciate all of our fans, man. Heck yeah, yep. And we will remind everybody to go to Apple Podcasts because let me tell you this right here, Dale. We are listed on Chartable for the last month mm-hmm. for the country of Portugal. We ranked 37. All right, you go Portugal. Yeah. Shout out Portugal. Yeah, Portugal. And then we were ranked 51 in Japan last month. What? Yeah, 51. No, not kidding. No shitting. No shitting. 51, wow. 51 in Japan. Look at that mirror. Yep. <laughs> Check and, us out. Yeah, right. That's why we want everybody to go to Apple Podcast and click that five star and write a review in the box to help us get on the U.S. charts. Man, that is awesome. Yeah, we're getting there. Heck yeah. Yeah. It's all because of all you guys, man. Yeah, we are ranked. I thought we were just ranked. No. I mean, I took a shower and stuff. No, we don't stink. <laughs> we're People think we're bluffing, but we're sure nothing. That's right. We're yeah. not just what, blowing smoke up somebody's ass, as mm, we were nope. told before. No, and if anybody wants to go to the store page and get you something, usually toward the end of the week, that stuff will be on sale. Yep. Uh, get you a t-shirt, get you a, a hoodie for this time of year, the cold weather. Yeah, it's not every week, but a lot of times on Thursdays or so, they'll go on sale for a few few hours. Yeah. Or maybe sometimes through the whole weekend, if you look. Yeah. And catch a pretty good deal on that. Get you something cool. 
Help support mm-hmm. the crack house. Keep the lights running. Yep. As we start this new month, ready to rock and roll. This is my birthday month. I'm excited. No, but on a birthday. Yeah. Coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Doom, doom, doom. Yep. If nothing else, dude, we're going to get started on this episode. Well, I thought we'd talk for about another 20 minutes since everybody else does, but I'm just kidding. Yeah. I hate that shit. Yeah, we don't have to bore everybody and give them a bunch of nonsense. We'll get right down to it. Yeah, we're going to get right into it. <laughs> but this episode this week is not as grisly and rough as last week, man. No, well, no. <laughs> I'm no. not even close. No. But we're sort of sticking to the same little theme we had last week. But Well, we kind of got in a vein when we were looking for stuff to do, and then this one's just too good to pass up. So Yeah. And uh, there's not a whole lot of good shows, in my opinion, on this guy. So uh, I think we're going to we're gonna put one out there. Yeah, there's uh, several podcasts on this, but honestly, they all suck. <laughs> Really? Oh, I'm going to say that. <laughs> yeah. On this guy, they do. They don't have the right information. They leave out a lot of stuff. And we've researched this story, and we're going to give it to you like it is. Yeah. So you sponsors who sponsor the suck shows, how about come on over? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it right. That's just wrong, Dad. Well, it is what it is, man. Okay. But today, we are talking about Dennis Henry DePew. Is he kin to Peppy? No, Peppy was LaPew. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But this is Dennis Henry DePew. And just a little bit of background on Dennis DePew. He was born on June the 13th. Speaking of, of rank. Yeah. Anyway, he, go ahead. He was born on June 13th, 1943 in Sturgis, Michigan. Hmm. He was the son of Claude Dale DePew and Emma Merle Groves DePew. Well, now. Yeah. And he lived in Coldwater, Michigan. And during his early years, he lived in Burr Oak, Michigan. He graduated from Burr Oak High School and received a bachelor's degree in business education from Michigan State University. Yeah, pretty smart fellow. Mm-hmm. He was employed for more than 20 years for the state of Michigan in the Department of Treasury as a property tax specialist. Mm, I bet everybody loved him. Yeah, he was very, <laughs> yeah, he would. Um, the tax man coming. Yeah. And he also taught business education at Portland, Oregon, and in Los Angeles, California. Hmm. And he attended Burr Oak United Methodist Church and was a member of the Michigan State University Alumni Association. And he frequented uh, Michigan State University's athletic events. Yeah. So, yeah. He's he was, a big supporter there. Yeah. I right. get it. I get it. Now, he ended up marrying a woman by the name of Marilyn Lee McClenahan. I hope I'm not butchering that name. Sounds good. Yeah, McClenahan. And she was a Detroit, Michigan native, and she was born in 1941. And together they had three children, uh, two daughters and a son. Their first daughter was Jennifer Dawn DePew. They had another daughter, Julie Marie DePew. And they had one son, Scott Dennis DePew. Hmm. Now, Dennis and Marilyn, they were married for almost 18 years, Dale. Yes. Had a pretty good life. Like I said, they had them three kids. They were involved in a lot of community things. Seemed like he had a good job. Yeah. She had a good job. Yeah, she was a school counselor. Mm-hmm. So everything was going good for them. At the latter part of these this 18 years, their relationship was very conflictive, dude. Mm-hmm. It was reported that Dennis started getting violent, and Marilyn was trying to be more i guess assertive in her life and he was just trying to keep her down yeah well you know as it started to crumble he become uh, more controlling and demanding i think yeah 
So he, I'm sure he could feel it slipping away, so he was trying to reel it back in, but doing it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Marilyn even reported that he'd become withdrawn, and he accused her of turning their children against him. Yeah. And she often told their friends and family that she was unhappy and wanted a divorce from Dennis. Mm-hmm. So finally, in 1989, after 18 years of being married, Marilyn filed for divorce. Sure did. And she told her attorney that Dennis was trying to ruin her life and wouldn't let her make decisions on her own. Right. But now Dennis was, I guess, in all accounts, trying to keep their marriage together. But their divorce was finalized in 1989. Right. And it was reported. December. Yeah, December 1989. It was reported that he would just show up after they were divorced to show up at the house and let himself in. Well, the problem was that, you know, he, he pretty much gave her everything, you know, whatever she wanted in the divorce. But he took the guest house out back as an office yeah so he pretty much was like here you can take whatever you want but he wasn't going away like she wanted i think yeah he was still there on the property right so and there was even times you know that she would come home and he'd be in the house yeah so she changed all the locks on everything and she'd come home and he'd be in the house yeah so she didn't couldn't figure out how he was getting in but so basically it was He'd be like, hey, how you doing? He's like, no, you know, we're we're divorced. You need to get the hell out of my house. But it was, so it's kind of like well, we're divorced, but he wasn't really taking it as we're divorced. Exactly. Like he just he wasn't giving no time for nothing. He he didn't want to give up control, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. But now their three kids, they were older. They were in their late teen years, mm-hmm. and they. Uh, yeah, I think the oldest one was in, was a senior in, in, in high, high school. school. Yeah. yeah. But now they had like a like a custody agreement. Dennis would get the kids, I think, every two weeks. Yep. Uh, bi-weekly visitation. Yeah, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And this is on Easter Sunday, April 15th of 1990. And this is when Dennis arrived at the home. He was going to pick up their two of their children, their younger daughter, Julie, and their son, Scott. Yeah. But now Julie... She had already refused to go with him. Well, you know, and it was often, they were often re- reluctant to go with him. They didn't really want to go much. Mm-mm. And so, you know, like I said, he's not really giving anybody any time to, to kind of deal with what's going on here. You know, they're just going through this divorce. He's still creeping around out here and stuff. And there's just no time for no healing or nothing. Or for anybody to get used to any kind of weird situation. And he just keeps pushing himself into the middle of everything. Yep. Well, like I said, when uh, he got to the house, Julie had already refused to go with him. And when he went inside their son, Scott, he was reluctant to go, too. Yeah. And Marilyn tried to talk to him, and he got angry. Well, I think he, he was getting on the kids pretty hard, I think. You know, he's like, you know, damn, y'all don't ever want to go with us and or go with me, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And then the more he got on the kids, she tried to intervene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think she come in like she was going to make some peace here and try to talk it out, but it didn't work. He just yeah. turned all his anger toward her. And he started yelling at her. Right. And that's when he grabbed her and pushed her down the stairs. Just slung her down. Yep. Now, she was at the bottom of the steps, and at the bottom, when he got down there, he started beating on her. And we couldn't figure out how many steps this actually was, so we don't know if it was three or 30. Mm-hmm. But either way, he threw her down the steps and then went down there and just started beating the brakes off of her. Yeah. Which is not good. Right there in front of the kids. And exactly. And then they wonder why he, <laughs> he won't go nowhere with him. And the kids were begging him to stop. Yes. And their oldest daughter, Jennifer actually ran to the neighbor's house to call the police correct and this is when dennis carried marilyn back up the stairs yeah he got an idea here and that's when he had told the kids he was going to take their mom to the hospital right 
but they never arrived at the hospital, Dale. Mm-hmm. No, I think when she called the cops, I think they started looking for them around, you know, the hospitals and stuff, but to no avail. Yeah. So now we're just going to move ahead to a little bit later in that afternoon. Okay. And this is when a couple by the name of Ray and Marie Thornton, yes, they were going out on their weekly Sunday drive. Probably pissing everybody off right yeah. now on the road. Slow. Yeah. But this is something they did every Sunday. They just went out for a Sunday drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, but get out of the house. But like I said, this was on the Easter Sunday, and they were on that Sunday drive on a road called Snow Perry Road, and this is near Coldwater. Mm-hmm. And they were just out cruising. They were having a little game they liked to play, of a license plate game. Mm-hmm. And they would see license plate, the numbers and the letters on them, and I guess try to make a message out of them or yeah. a little funny saying or something. Right. Yeah. And this is when the Ray noticed in his rearview mirror that there was a speeding van coming up on his rear end fast very fast yeah and just blew around them yeah like they were sitting still and this when marie noticed that the license plate the first two letters were gz yes and this is when uh, marilyn said geez he must be in a hurry to go somewhere right which is pretty smart yeah that was pretty good yeah yeah it's picking up on that and plus remembering the license plate number yeah or part of it anyway yeah so that was that was pretty good though yeah. but now it was just a few minutes later when that van passed they passed an abandoned school yep and this is when marie noticed that van that passed them sitting beside the school yeah it was like between a some kind of big tank in the school like what but you could see between them you know right Mm -hmm. between the tank and the schoolhouse building right yeah and she noticed a man outside the van carrying a bloody sheet Mm -hmm. to what it looked like to be bloody right yep is going whoa and that's the same band that just blowed past them yeah so it's kind of creepy out here very creepy so they just kept on going now just a few minutes later the van pulled up behind them and rode their bumper for several miles dude. yeah he's just riding their ass yeah like, i mean just all up in them yeah and this when ray i'd be about a little ready to panic you think about it, have you already seen this guy come flying past you oh yeah and then you drive by and you see him look like carrying some kind of big bloody sheet or something and doing something with it, and I don't know, maybe he looks up, maybe he don't, but then again, he's right back on you, and you're like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And this one, Ray finally turned off the highway. So, yeah, he's just turning so this guy can go on. Yeah. Hopefully, he keeps going straight. And they noticed the van pull off to the side of the road. Hmm. And Ray and Marie turned around and noticed the driver was out of the van. Well, I think, uh, well, they turned off, and they started thinking, putting stuff together, going, man... You know, we saw part of his license plate was GZ, and then we seen him pull over with this bloody sheet, and we turned it off and noticed that he pulled over. So they're just thinking, doing something proactive, like, we got to go back by and see if we can catch up, get that tag number. See what's going on with this. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like you said, when they turned around and went back by, the guy standing there and looks up at him as he's changing his license plate number. Yeah. Or taking a tag off. Taking a tag off, yeah. Right. And at this time is when you noticed that the passenger side door was open and it was just covered in blood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And this time they went back to the school. Yeah. So they, they went by and seen and they seen his changes his tag and they decided to return to the school and see what actually he was had in his hand. See if they could see anything out there. Yeah, go check it out. Yeah. Which I would not have done. I just went on about my yeah, business. I went on back. I would have went across country and done something different. <laughs> yeah. But they went back to the school, and they found the bloody sheet. 
yeah, crammed down in an animal hole. Yeah, of some sort. Yeah, and we don't know if that was a bear or a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just a a bloody sheet. Yeah, crammed in some type of hole. Yeah, in the ground. I'm assuming. But now Ray Marie did locate the white cloth and it appeared bloody and with some tissue and even some bone fragments on it. Hmm. And they rushed to find a phone to call the police. Yes. Now, after they contacted the police, they learned that the man they had seen was Dennis DePew. Right. And tire tracks at the school belonged to Dennis's van. And I'm sure there were plenty of them, you know, especially if he's if he seen them drive by and he just took off out of there. I'm sure he was he was uh, spinning out of there. Yep. And the blood on the sheet was Marilyn's blood. Mm. And based on the evidence, it appeared that he had killed her. Yes. But it wasn't until the next day that it was confirmed and highway workers discovered her body near a deserted road in Bethel Township. But it was discovered that Marilyn had been shot once in the back of the head. Yeah, Yeah. so instead of taking her to the hospital, he must have just put her in the van and going by all the blood and everything he had, he just shot her in the van, apparently. Yep. Hmm. Now, a few days later, Dennis sent several bizarre and rambling letters to friends and family. And in those letters, he tried to justify Marilyn's death. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he just, no, I guess after all this, he just took off. Yeah, he just disappeared. Yeah, damn the kids, damn the house, damn everything. I'm just, I'm running for my life. Mm-hmm. And altogether, he sent a total of 17 postmarked letters in Virginia, Iowa, and Oklahoma. Right. And it had been reported that he'd sent one to her, the school where she worked at, blaming them for her murder. I think he was blaming everybody but himself. Yeah. And even in that one, it was full of Bible verses and... One of, them, one of them was really long. I mean, like, I don't know, 13 pages or something. Yeah. And just all kind of rhetoric going on, on and on, and just rambling. And I don't know how um, how long or how far apart these letters was, but he was he was on the run for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even one of the letters, um, part of the quote was, uh, Marilyn had many, many opportunities to treat me fairly during this divorce, but she chose to string me out, treat me, and lie to me. When you lose your wife, your children, and your home, there's not much left. And I was just too old to start over. Hmm. So I guess that just, in his head, he was like, well, I guess I'll just beat the brakes off over and shoot her in the head. Be done with it. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of pretty, pretty wild there. All right. Now, about a year later, Dale, this is about 8.30 p.m. at night. Mm-hmm. There was a woman named Mary, and she arrived at her home outside of Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And her boyfriend... Hank Queen was already home, and his van was parked in the driveway. Yeah, which kind of shocked her because he wasn't usually home Mm-mm. by now, right? It was kind of kind of weird because he usually kept it inside the garage. Mm-hmm. And when she came inside, he told her that his mom was very sick and he needed to go make an emergency trip mm. to visit her. And he asked her to make him some sandwiches for the trip. Right. And she just felt something like, like something was going on and wasn't sure what, what it was. Right, but she, you know, I think she helped him gather up his clothes and stuff and then got in to make some, make him some snacks and some sandwiches for his trip because he was just trying to be a good person. Yeah, and he was giving her instructions on preparing his food for the trip. Mm-hmm. And he was putting his belongings in the van, and he said goodbye to her. Right. And she could tell something was troubling him, and she felt just like... Didn't, just didn't know what it was. And she felt like she'd never see him again. Right. Kind of a weird feeling. Yeah. And it was later that night, Mary was shocked to learn that Hank wasn't Hank. Right. He was actually Dennis DePew. Right. And that he had just been featured on 
a recent broadcast of Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, it was on actually when she came in the house. Yeah. And I think he was, uh, that's why he pushed her into the kitchen to do this. He was just trying to get her to not see what was going on. Why didn't he just turn the TV off? I, I wondered that myself or change the channel. Yeah. You know, or maybe he was sitting there watching and it came on and then he's like, oh shit. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that was their show or something, you know. And then, yeah. So it'd been awful weird for him to do that. But, you know, if he was saying his mom was sick, it's already a reason, you know, to kind of not watch tv i guess but she believed that he was watching the show and was deliberately keeping her distracted in the kitchen mm-hmm. well yeah well he was yeah that way at least until he got out of there now one of mary's friends called the, the unsolved mysteries telecenter and provided them with um some information mm-hmm. and the with a texas license plate number of dennis's van right you know and she said that uh She'd been suspicious of him in the past, even having a private investigator to look into him. But nothing could ever be found, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's kind of odd. But then, you know, her, I guess Mary's friend didn't have somebody run her in the kitchen. So when she called and then they got, I wonder if she called Mary to get the, the license plate number. You know, I don't know. Because it's, you know, everything I read and everything I've seen that said, you know, her friend called and gave him the, the license plate number. But how would she know what it is? Yeah. So I'm assuming maybe she called over there to talk to her and then got the plate number. Yeah. But it was just four hours later when the authorities caught up with Dennis. Yeah, think about that now. He did all that stuff, and then it'd been a year. Yeah. He's gotten away with it for a year. And he's on Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries at 8.30, and by midnight, they got him. Yeah. Or or they run him down anyway. They found him. And this is when the Louisiana State Troopers spotted Dennis's van, Mm -hmm. and they attempted to pull him over. Yeah, but he ain't going out like that. Mm, he led the police on a 15-mile high-speed chase. Heck yeah. And broke through two police barricades. Super van. Yep. Now, the Warren County, Mississippi sheriff, his name was Paul Barrett, he told his deputies that if the van refused to stop, that they should shoot, shoot out, out the tires, Shoot baby. out the front tires, yeah. And they missed the front ones, but got both the back ones. Right. And Dennis even traveled about a half a mile. I bet Sparks was flying. On the, on the rims. Yeah. So at about 4 a.m. that morning, after firing two shots through his windshield as deputies. Yeah, the deputies were, you know, they got, I guess he stopped and they had a standoff, but they were shooting at him and he was shooting back. But I don't think none of, he had so much stuff in the back of his vans, none of their bullets was able to reach him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he shot two, one through a windshield and one through an open window, I think. Yep. Yeah. And that's when he turned the gun on himself. Yep. And he took his own life. Right. And said when the, the cops went up to the window, he had, uh, it was a three fifty seven. Yeah. I believe, three fifty seven. And it was in his left hand with his thumb in the trigger. So he had turned it around, shot himself in the mouth, come out the back of his head. Yep. And he knew that he had killed himself because there's no way that their bullet, their uh, fire would have went that way. Yep. Yeah. And the sheriff believes that he intended to die that night, either by deputies or by his own One way or the other, yeah. yeah. Mm. But Dennis's case was the first fugitive featured on the broadcast of Unsolved Mysteries to have uh, committed suicide. Really? Yeah. I wonder, you know, if you think, you know, you always, I mean, I used to watch that show religiously back in the day, but I wonder how many people, you know, were, were caught via that show and how many was that fast? I don't know. I don't think any of them was that fast. That, that almost had to be a record, wouldn't it? Yeah, that was that night. Yeah. The same I'm sure night. they had some that were pr- pretty quick, but that one was probably pretty really quick. Yeah. 
And luckily, I mean, what would they have done if they'd have been both of them sitting on the couch watching it together and then something? Can been, you imagine? Wouldn't have been good for Mary, would it? No, he'd, he'd probably killed her. Probably. And then got out of there. Yeah. But now Dennis is buried in Eagle Cemetery in LaGrange County, Indiana. And Marilyn Lee McLennan DePew is buried in Oakland Hills Memorial Garden Cemetery. This is in Novi, Oakland County, Michigan. And it's been reported that she is in an unmarked grave. I don't know why the family did that. Uh, that just it shocks me. Yeah, it's just very weird. Looks like it would be the other way around, you know. Mm-hmm. I can see him being in one. Yeah. After he calls all that, you know. But some that I didn't understand, you know, researching this case, um, both uh, these this couple's dead, Dennis and Marilyn. You know, he took his own life and then he killed her. But the kids. You know, I know they were older teenagers, and the oldest one was about to graduate graduate high school. But yeah, I think she had six weeks left when when all this happened to graduate. Yeah. So I I wonder what happened to them. Did family take them, or did they move in with some grandparents or something? The only thing I saw was where um, they said you know she had about six weeks left before graduation, and they did have some kind of uh, like a protection in place because they were worried about him coming back. You know, because he was gone for a year. But they went to live with her grandparents for a while. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they, they everything was just locked down, and nobody knows really what happened after that, except, yeah. except them. And I'm, I guess they're they're still around, but, I mean, I guess they're all around 50 or a little bit less by now. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I didn't see a lot about it. Their, their prophecies been locked down pretty good. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if Dennis hit some kind of midlife crisis or maybe had some kind of mental breakdown or... From the divorce or something that yeah, caused something. him to snap like that. Yeah, it was something crazy, that's yep. for sure. And you get a look at his picture, you'll see. Mm-hmm. But just um, another thing about this, Dennis DePew's case is said to have served as an inspiration for the opening scene of the horror movie Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, if you listen to the part, you know, where Ray Marie, you know, going down the road about, you know, all that is basically the, the beginning of Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. Now, uh, Victor Salva, who was the filmmaker he he has never said this i don't know if he's ever denied it or if he just never has said it was it was inspiration but i mean hell if you if you've seen that and hear this you you can see it's pretty much the same thing besides besides the creeper throws a body down a a large uh it's like a pipe sticking out of the ground instead of just hiding the sheet but all the rest of it's pretty much the same besides the the making model of the vehicle yeah yeah, and well, plus, and uh, the creeper is not real, and <laughs> Dennis was. Yeah, and we're gonna post some pictures of Dennis online, and he is one creepy looking dude. Yeah, I think even if even if you look at him that way, is especially this one photo that you always see. I think the eyes of the creeper is pretty close to Dennis's, and I think they use that as well. Could have. But yeah, it's a pretty interesting interesting story, and we wanted to cover it. Oh heck, yeah, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I hate it for Maryland, but... Yeah, in the family. Yeah. All right, Dale, that is the story of Dennis Henry DePew. Not Peppy. Nope. Mm-mm. Yep. Right. All right, dude. All right, man, let's roll. We're going to get out of here. Let's go. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always watch your rearview mirror. <laughs> because the next episode could be about you. This is The Crack, Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.